0: Welcome to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine nutrition research digested for you. Swine Nutrition Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like DSM Animal Nutrition and Health is shaping the future of piglet care. Life Start Swine, facilitated by Trow Nutrition, distilled science and real-world advice for better on-farm decisions. Eastman Animal Nutrition, Visit EASTMAN.com. Heat stress can start at temps as low as 75 degrees. Combat heat stress with chemtrace chromium. Visit chemen.com forward slash stress today. Novus International Inc., a leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Hubbard Feeds, research driven and focused on helping you achieve your goals. Fibro Animal Health Corporation, healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world combining basic science with real-world facilities results in swine nutrition programs that deliver impactful bottom-line performance. Hubbard Feeds is focused on helping you achieve your goals and make your life easier along the way. Choose a company that can match your appetite for innovation by visiting hubbardfeeds.com slash research.
1: My name is Clayton Chastain, your host for today's episode. Today we have with us Dr. Ruud Zelstra, a professor at the University of Alberta specializing in swine and carbohydrate nutrition. How are you doing today? Uh, Thanks for having me,
2: Clayton. I'm doing well.
1: Great. So, Ruud, would you mind sharing with us the study you conducted on the hindgut
2: fermentation of starch? Yes. uh, First of all, I need to give credit to my graduate student, Felina Tan. Uh, Felina uh, conducted a study where she uh, analyzed uh, digestible and fermentable starch in a series of uh, cereal grains and pulse grains and basically identified that pulse grains, uh, the starch in pulse grains is not as digestible as in cereal grain starch, but whatever is not digested gets uh, fully fermented in the hindgut. Great.
1: So um, how did you go about setting up this study and um, everything that went along with it?
2: Yeah, we, we decided to use a, a, a pig model that we use for other studies as well, the ileo-cannulated pig model, which allows us to, uh, uh, within an experimental period, first to collect feces, and that would allow us to, uh, to determine total, total tract digestibility of, uh, of any nutrient, in this case starch. Uh, after we've collected feces, we can open up the cannula at the end of the small intestine and collect ileal digesta and then determine the amount of uh, any given nutrient that is digested by the end of the small intestine. And then by difference, we can calculate how much of that particular nutrient has been digested in the hindgut or fermented to be more precise in the hindgut. So in this particular study, we decided to do that for uh, three cereal grains and three pulse grains and uh, those particular six grains uh, you will find them in the in in the in swine diets here in western canada um so you had how many treatments did you have with this we had in this particular case uh, three pulse grains and three cereal grains as part of the study so six grains in total
1: okay and then um you said
2: this was for what uh, age group of pigs yeah so uh this this particular study, we wanted to have some data that we could link with the NRC twenty twelve. So we decided to use, uh, you know, started to uh, with grower pigs, so pigs that were cannulated at uh, at around thirty kilogram body weight. So by the end of the study, they would have been somewhere in the range of sixty to seventy kilogram body weight. And in other words, um, whatever findings we would have, we wanted to be able to link it to the swine NRC. And also potentially to some, uh, other databases around the world, for example, the Dutch database, uh, that also, uh, evaluates feedstuffs using uh, grower finisher pigs instead of nursery pigs.
1: Gotcha. So you said that you found out that the, um, cereal grains were more fermentable and are more digestible in the ileum, but the pulse grains were more fermentable in the hindgut. Um. So is this kind of the result expected? And what all uh, nutrients did you really look for when you were looking at that digestibility and fermentability?
2: Yeah, the, uh, f- uh, a very good question. So we actually looked first and foremost at starch because that was the main purpose. But we also looked at fiber and we also looked at protein and amino acids. And so, yeah, from from the literature, we, we were expecting that uh, pulse grain starch would be... Um, not as well digested in the small intestine as cereal grain starch, so we basically confirmed that in this particular study. But we also uh, determined that whatever starch is not digested in the in the small intestine gets fully fermented in the large intestine. So, in other words, when you only would look at total tract digestibility of starch, you would you would presume there's no difference between those two categories of, uh, of grains, but in fact, there is. So, and, uh, so determine that difference is important from an energetic perspective, because right? for example, we like to formulate our diets based on, uh, on net energy and the formula that, uh, that we're using in the, in the swine energy to, uh, to determine the amount of net energy is based on determined digestible energy, and then a positive correction for total starch and uh, and uh, acid detergent fiber and a negative correction for protein and uh, and uh, sorry a positive correction for starch and fat and a negative correction for crude protein and fiber so in other words if you would not um, know exactly how much starch is digested and ferment or or fermented you may run the risk that you slightly overestimate the energy that pulse grains uh, do contribute. So in the in the swine energy, we're, we're not correcting for that. But for example, in the Dutch database, uh, uh, they are separating digestible from fermentable starch just to get a little bit more accuracy and uh, in determination of uh, net energy value of feedstuffs. Uh, to be clear, it's not a massive massive difference that we're talking about, it just provides a little bit more accuracy on the, on energy value of pulse grains.
1: Gotcha. So what do you think the next steps are for your team for this? I It looked like in the paper, your next steps are going to be somewhere along the lines of trying to define the which fractions are fermentable and which ones are digestible. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. So uh, a fair question. So one of, one of the things we're interested in is um, whatever this difference that we determine is in grower-finisher uh, pigs, how well does that describe what is happening in nursery pigs? So the grower finisher the pigs, they have a mature gastrointestinal tract. Uh, in other words, their uh, enzyme systems in the, in the small intestine are fully functional. Their microbiome has been fully established in the, in the small and the large intestine. But in the nursery pig, that's not the case yet. And so one of our next things would be to see if the same difference applies in the nursery pig and uh, to the same extent, uh, when the when the gastrointestinal tract is uh, is less mature, and um, so we've done some research over the years and nursery pigs as well. So if you go to like a phase three diet in the in the nursery, it seems that the difference is uh, between. Uh, pulse grain starch digestibility and cereal grain starch digestibility is somewhat similar as you would find in a grower pig but then when you go to a younger pig the difference seems to be larger and in other words may need to be considered when you have more pulse grains in diets for nursery pigs
1: all right well that's all very interesting Um, before we finish up was there anything else you wanted to add about this study or anything else that your lab is doing
2: well, the other thing is, of course, is to look at what is now happening with the starch that is fermented and what influence does made that starch have. So uh, one way of thinking about it is how much of this fermentable starch should you actually have in the diet to create a, uh, a benefit for gut health? Because this fermentable starch um, basically still serves as an energy source for the pig, but Via the short-chain fatty acids that are being produced following fermentation, but in particular the, the short-chain fatty acid butyrate has some other important functions um, as a signal molecule for um, you know, to stimulating gut health, and it's also an energy source for the uh, for the enterocyte in the in the large intestine itself. So, by having more fermentable starch in the diet, how much of that do you actually need to have a positive effect on, uh, on, on gut health? That is certainly an interest of ours as well.
0: A leader in swine nutrition solutions driven by science. Novus's products and services look at the whole animal, focusing on productivity and well being in order to feed the world affordable and wholesome food. For more information, visit Novus's website at www.novusint.com.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I can definitely see why. Well, thank you for coming on the show and to everyone else, thank you for listening to the Swine Nutrition Black Belt podcast. Please visit us at swinenutritionblackbelt.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you won't miss out on the next episode. See you next week. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine nutrition related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it and share with us, feel free to send an email to nutritionblackbell at swineit.com and we would love to take a look at your research.